Leading Matters with Joel Caparelli. Welcome to Leading Matters. Today is episode 21. My guest, Chris Savage, the CEO and co-founder of Wistia. You can find them at wistia.com. Uh, listen, I'm not going to go on too long here in the introduction other than to suggest that you take action plan after this. And that's a, if you wonder what, want to know what that's all about, go listen to the episode with Ryan Estes. He is the one who gave me this idea of making every kind of piece of content that we read or, or, or write or produce something actionable. And I've tried to do it with these episodes of Leading Matters. So today's take action plan is listen keenly to the evolution of Wistia's content plan, okay? Because Chris is incredibly candid with how they got started with their position of educating the marketplace on video production. And they have nothing to do with video production. So keep that in mind. They are a video hosting service, okay, where it gives you greater control over your videos with the analytics and the inbound lead uh, generation and demand generation. So keep that in mind that, that really video production is ahead of where you would even be before you even consider using their service. So, uh, you know, he's candid with the fact that, listen, that this notion of educating my marketplace kind of evolved. We didn't necessarily set out to do that. We wanted to be helpful, but more importantly, we wanted to produce content that our audience um, was engaged with. So that's the approach they took. And listen also to the way they curate their own content. And I think that's a great take action plan for you is what are you doing today to curate your own content? In other words, how frequently are you going back to look over your content to see which uh, pieces are the ones that drive the most engagement, that uh, you know have a lot of uh, traffic and social sharing, things like that. Because there's obviously some element of, of value in there. And then repurpose them for where that content fits within your not only your demand generation cycle, but indeed your sales cycle. So what is the content that's going to help the decision process that exists in your marketplace with or without you make those decisions? And I think you're going to really gain some great insight for how Wistia did that. And one thing I want you to keep in mind, and I say it again in the introduction here, is these guys have been in business for about 10 years. And that's pretty remarkable when you consider where video was in 2005, 2006, and where it is today. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and get into episode 21 of Leading Matters with Chris Savage. Chris Savage is the co-founder and CEO of Wistia. Wistia is where business smarts meets video smarts. And in other words, what they're all about is helping businesses understand how to use video as part of serving their customers. Uh, the company's nearly 10 years old, so that really says quite a bit about, um, you know, when you think especially how dramatically video consumption has changed over that time. Yet they've continued to refine their solution to better serve the business community in a way that really no other video hosting platform has done. And one thing I want to point out is how awesome Wistia is at helping people understand not only how the tool works, and they, they obviously spend a lot of time there, but mostly how video works, how it's done, how to do it inexpensively, what you should care about when you are shooting video. They invest in the education where education is needed most. And look, I, I really would like to go on and on about that, but I want to be mindful of Chris's time. And firstly, welcome to the show. So Chris, thanks so much for joining me on Leading Matters today. Thank you so much for having me. I, I you know, it's hard to uh, hard to beat the intro you just gave. So I, I'm very appreciative of the, the kind words you just you just shared there. Uh, well, listen, it's all true. You know, I, I became aware of you guys when I myself was literally searching for for video and, and some help on how to do that a couple of years back. And and really, I want to start right there, right? Because it seems that you have a mission to really empower everybody to get more out of video. 
But you go beyond that. You consider Would you consider your effort to educate as a matter of kind of a mission-based marketing? And can you talk about that a little bit as far as helping people get more out of it and where you place those investments to help your would-be customers get more out of it? Absolutely. So, um, you know, when we when we first started marketing ourselves, we were always talking about the product and we were trying to, you know, just do whatever we could to make the product market the product well. But the problem is, like, marketing a product for a market that has a lot of challenges, like, a lot of people would say, yeah, like, I'm interested in Wistia, but um, I don't know how to make a video. And I don't know how to make it so that I'm not, like, a, you know, so that it actually doesn't hurt our brand. It helps it. Um, and I'm afraid of being on camera. I'm afraid of how expensive it is. I'm afraid of how risky it is. And so at some point along the way, we started making content to teach people about those aspects of, um, of video production and, and video strategy. And then the interesting thing that happened that clicked for us is that, wow, like when we think about just furthering a mission of empowering more people to get more out of video, and we don't worry that much actually about um, trying to pitch our product, what happens is all the content we make goes much farther. Um, it helps more people. And we just believe that as long as it's useful and helpful, um, that people will share it with others, and some small percentage of that total audience will eventually find our product. And so our entire strategy today is around marketing a mission. It's about um, marketing. We believe that if we further our mission of empowering people to use video better, that um, ultimately will help us get more people to use the product. But that's actually like that part's actually easy. So, you know, I, that's encouraging to hear, right, because I hear a lot of the leaders that I have on the show talk about you know, really helping their customers for simply the sake of helping them. And you guys have really gone to great lengths here, right? You, you've included videos on, on how to shoot entire production on the iPhone, including the lighting and the, and the video and the audio. You, t- you explain to people what B-roll is, how to use it effectively. You talk about different lenses. You did a post a couple years back about a do-it-yourself light kit for 100 bucks, I think it was. So you, went, you guys actually went to Home Depot and filled up the cart. And really, they're all kind of loosely connected to the solution because if I don't even know what to do, I'm not really looking for a platform. So really, how long until you guys realize, hey, this is really a great way to help us engage with the marketplace way ahead of that decision on where to host the actual asset itself? Yeah, if I'm if I'm totally honest, it took us a long time to realize that this strategy made sense. And we kind of like, like many things, it was accidental. And then we realized um, how valuable it was and we invested more in it. So uh probably four or five years into the building the business was when we actually started marketing with video ourselves, like really marketing with video, not just like screencast, but thinking about using video as a part of the things we were doing on the site. And um, as we were doing that, we were nervous about being on camera. We were nervous about um, whether or not it would actually make us look like illegitimate or too small if people realized that there was at that time only six people in the company. And um, that was really nerve-wracking. I, I remember the feeling vividly of, like, publishing the blog post that had a team video in it. And uh, I was just thinking, like, if someone sees this video, they're not going to trust us. But you know what? Like, I think this video is fun. Like, we should just do it anyway and see what happens. Now, of course, what we learned in that moment was that people really loved this, like, very simple, fun video showing the behind the scenes of our team. And that by showing that we were only six people, we were actually being more authentic than anybody else in our space, and that attracted more people to us. And then over time, we started to realize, oh, wait, like, there's all these other behind-the-scenes things that we can show, 
And at one point, it was like behind the scenes of how we'd figured out how to do our production. And then we realized that that part was really interesting to lots of people who aren't even close to a platform or people who are shooting video for an internal purpose or people shooting video for a conference or whatever. Like, they, they don't need Wistia, right? Um, but uh, we could get to such a, a wide audience. I think we tapped into something that people really care about. Um, so it took us a long time. And then once it was working, it was all qualitative feedback uh, at first. It was, like, small numbers of views, but people telling me, like, hey, Chris, like, I – Really, really thank you for that iPhone video. You know, um, we we were more confident. We shot something at our company, and then that sold us on you working with a production firm, or that sold us on bringing somebody in in house, or that sold us on getting a DSLR. And never were they saying like, then that sold us on Wistia. And then at some point, all those people were like, well, of course we use Wistia for everything. Like it's the best product. And I was like, okay, great. Like that's you know that's what we're striving for. But um, it it really it did take a while to figure that out. Well, you know, that's it's interesting. I'm glad for your candor there, right? Because a lot of this, especially, look, if you look at even what we're doing here, you know, I, I use the podcast because there's a resurgence in audio based upon all the smartphones that people carrying around with them and the connectivity in the car and whatnot. And video, the same thing. You know, there's really a groundswell of, of more adoption of it. But I, I love that candor because you kind of went out on a limb and, and took a risk yourself, right, to kind of – open the, the doors up a little bit and let people into the personality of who you were. I mean, if you were going to suggest, and again, I know you do a lot of this in the site, but for the benefit of people that that haven't visited Wistia.com, you know, what would you suggest to uh, companies of all sizes that are trying to consider how to even take that sort of risk? That's a great question. I, I think you have to find really small ways to take risks with everything. I mean, not even just with video, but, you know, if we are doing an ad campaign, we're not going to suddenly spend a million dollars a month on an ad campaign, right? Like, that's crazy. Like, we're going to find some small way to test it that makes us feel comfortable. I think video is a little bit more scary than average because um, it feels like it's a, a very strong – it's like almost like a stronger brand risk than most other things. Um like the design on your website or something feels like you can get that under control. But if you blab on like an idiot in a video, then everyone's going to know you're an idiot. You know, like it's, uh, it's harder to, to like cover that up. Um, so I think the way to start, and when I talk to, to people at larger companies that ever, they tell me, you know, we're in a boring industry. Um, my boss won't let me do take any risks, like which I do. I always tell people just take risks internally. Um, you know, with internal communication is actually a really nice way to start because, you know, I don't know how many times you've been at like a company presentation and people put goofy or funny things in their presentation um, to try to make it more interesting. But like, people are taking risks all the time. We just don't recognize them. And I think sometimes the way to do it is like make a video internally and um, show and take a risk with that. And you want to do that with the least amount of work possible and the best likelihood for success. And, and honestly, the way that you do that is, you know, you check out our library, you look at some of the simple t the tips that we have there. You just want to, like, make some simple lighting. It makes a huge effect. And um, you want to pay attention to the audio. And if you, can, if you can just, you know, flatten the shadows on a face and, like, separate someone from the background, then actually all the video is about is just a different form of communicating um, content that where someone's speaking into the camera. And I always try to encourage people to do that first because it's unbelievable how much time and energy you can save um, just using video to record things about how you operate. We do that all the time. People on the team who are new to video will, um, you know, make a video about how to uh, use the new cold brew um, coffee like a 
integrator thing we have. And someone, like, explains this fun little thing. It's 30 seconds. They goof around it. And they're like, oh, this goofy part came out really weird. But all this other stuff came out really great. And I think that that's, I think that's a really great way to start. If you don't have an audience, there's nothing, you have nothing at stake, right? Like, that's the other piece of it. If you have a blog and it's not that popular or it's only popular if you email out your blog post, put it on your blog, you know. Um, find places that aren't, like, the main um, core funnel to start. And then over time, as you get more confident, you start to realize, like, wow, video really can increase engagement. It can increase conversion. It can do all these other things. Then it becomes really natural to embed it into the core of your marketing. Sure. No, that's, you know, that's a really good suggestion, kind of. I never even really considered that, kind of, because taking it internally and kind of exercising those risks there, that makes a lot of good sense to me. You know, Chris, I want to talk about where your learn section has kind of evolved to, because when I discovered it a couple of years back, you know, it was, it was, there was a handful of how to's and things like that, but really it's, it's evolved from simply how to shoot video to, and it's grown to include everything from how to use video to recruit. Uh, I love that by the way, that, you know, some of your, how your customers are using video to, to bring talent to their organizations. You're offering free audio tracks for, and look, as a, a person that produces video here and there, that was a great find. We're like, wow, there's some great resource here for me to use. So can you talk about the learn section? Because it seems to me that once you realize that, hey, listen, educating in this fashion makes sense to our business and because we're helping customers, but it seems to me that it's been a, a really concerted effort to kind of build that up to, to meet people where they are, not only at the beginning, but now through all phases of video production. Is that, is that fair to say? That's absolutely right. And the thing that we've done is, so we, we started by posting all our stuff to all of our content to our blog. And some blog posts would really take off and some wouldn't. And um, when it took off, we get a blog post, a lot of traffic, and sometimes there would be, you know, SEO that came from um, that blog post over time, but then it would get lost, you know, like new people weren't finding it. And so we just had this simple idea, like, what if we take the content that's done the best and we feature it in an organized way in a library? Um, would that make it much easier for people who are trying, just getting started using video or even midway through their process of using video? Um, to learn more and feel more comfortable and try more things. And um, it's it's a really simple thing that has been extremely helpful um, because it's just curating. It's curating the best stuff and putting it into an order so that someone doesn't have to worry about um, where, stuff, where stuff is. And it doesn't – you don't have to say even like, oh, that blog post from two years ago, let me go find it. It's like, no, it's really easy for anybody to find something again. Um, and now we have a good idea of if we're publishing like – a really rich guide that we spent weeks on and it talks through every single aspect of understanding video analytics, which is a guide that we've done, then um, we have a pretty good idea that that's something that people have asked for a lot. There's been a lot of questions around that. It makes sense to curate that and put that from the get-go in a place where people can find it. Well, that's another good tip right there as well. So I, I might actually even lead with that, right? Because that's, that is really instructive on how to nurture and mature your editorial approach. So I love that you're, you're doing it from the blog first and curating from there. I think that's really smart. You know, one thing I want to talk about where that's concerned, because I also see as, as your you know, maturity as a company has, has developed, that you spend some time educating people on the software. Hey, here's how to use the software to get the results that you're looking for and, and the video analytics and things like that. Does this does that sort of content help us to better engage the sales force? So in other words, arm them with these things throughout the sales life cycle to enable them to move their deals from stage to stage? 
Absolutely. I think um, when you're making content and, you know, the, the thing about video is it just is the best way at telling a human story, right? Like there's a voice usually in business video, like there's often someone on screen. Um, but if someone's telling a story, if that's someone in your company walking somebody through, you know, at this certain stage of your, of your buying cycle, you understand that um, someone's used your product, but actually they need to make integrations happen. And if they don't integrate with their other products, they're not going to buy it. If they integrate, they're going to buy. One way to do that is like hound somebody, hound somebody, hound somebody, get them on the phone, um, convince them to share their screen and literally walk them through it. The other way is send an email, like have that rep send an email with a video walkthrough of somebody on screens, like sitting at a computer saying, hey, this isn't that hard. And oh, look, here are the benefits I get from this. And I think that's the other thing about video is it's really – it's harder to hide blemishes on video than it is on anything else, right? Like, yes, you can edit videos, but if someone is just talking in a very inauthentic way or you're showing someone using a computer and you're sitting there walking through something, it takes work to, like, put a fake screen on the computer. It takes work to, like, make that fit in with, like, the rest of your scene. And so most people just don't do that. And the result is I think it actually is easier for a buyer to gauge – um, if something works and is real and is trustworthy, and that's one of the reasons it's so effective. Um, and so we see that all the time that people will make content for different stages of the buying cycle um, to try to help people move to the next stage. Well, you know, look, I'm glad I asked the question, right, because I've been reading a lot and writing about it myself as well, that sales is just at the point where they're, they're not as trustful of content marketing because they think it brings them a lot of unqualified leads, right? And then they have to do more work to kind of sift through to find the gold, right? But what you're talking about here is adjusting your content to align not only with the marketing funnel, but indeed with the natural progression of when they, you know, push their deals through. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. But listen, Chris, I want to move on to one last area and topic here and talk about, um, you know, your culture and your values and how you align that through your talent acquisition. Because one of the things that, that comes through loud and clear in what you guys produce is, is your personality. You know, it's a it's a committed, dedicated group, but they're fun. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, lighthearted, but not in a comical way, in a more, hey, this is our livelihood, so we ought to have fun doing it. Is that, was that kind of an evolutionary thing or, or did you guys set out once things started rolling to say hey listen this is the culture we want to build and the values that matter to us and we're going to manage to those you know that's a great question um and the answer to that is probably the longest answer i would give so i'm going to try to i'm going to try to like give the answer in a in a way that's like approachable and not three hours long um basically when we began we didn't really know what we wanted to do. You know, we were just we were just working, and it took us a long time to find traction. Like as I mentioned earlier, like more like five or six years that we really started to have everything fit together in terms of having the right product, uh, marketing it the right way, supporting it the right way, pricing it the right way, getting the tone right, all that stuff. And I think for us in our space, you know, that was, it took us a lot longer than we thought it would to get here. And also, we used to have a lot of competitors that have already long ago got out of business, um, went out of business when we were five years in. And they had raised too much money. They were too early to the market. You know, they needed to get more revenue to survive. We didn't need that much revenue to survive because we're such a small team. And so one of the questions we asked ourselves back then was, like, why are we still going? You know, like, why us? <laughs> and um, what we got to is that we really loved how the work was done. Um we just loved the process of doing the work and we weren't tired. Like we felt like we could do it for a long time. 
And so that's when we first started talking about culture was this realization that, like, culture is how the work is done, not what not what work you're doing. And I think culture should let you say yes to anything. Um, you just have to figure out how to do it, in our case, in a Wistia way. And so we then hired more people, we got to about 12 people, and we realized we had to write our culture down because we wanted to encourage it more and we wanted to manage to it. We had like 13, 15 things on the list, and that was not helpful um, to manage the business and to manage culture by talking about 15 things. Like no one could keep that in our head. And so we simplified down to three, which were delight, impact, and growth. Um, and the reasons why delight, impact, and growth were compelling. And everyone on the team knew them and everyone talked about them. But I think the problem we ran into is that, um, del- like, making a decision that creates more delight or making a decision that has a bigger impact or making a decision that allows somebody, like an individual or the company, to grow um, is all good, but uh, it wasn't different from any other business. So it, it made it actually almost, like, in some respects, like, making decisions in a wistia way was hard because, um, you could have delight, impact, and growth. Just run around in any company within 20 miles of us would be, yeah, sure, we believe in those things. Um, so we refined our, our values um, actually earlier this year, and my co-founder, Brennan, and I, we just wrote down what we cared about the most and what we managed to, um, even though we didn't always say these things out loud. We just really wanted to be transparent with the team. And then we put them out to the team, and the team pushed back, and we kind of – we got to a place that is pretty simple that has five things, but that actually I think really represents our values um, really well. And I'll tell you what they are, but basically the first one is putting the customer first. Um, we believe that we should put the customer in front of ourselves, and if we always focus on doing the hard work to make their lives easier, like they're going to benefit and they're going to be happy and they're going to stick with us and we're going to build a strong company. Um, we believe in pioneering, so we want to – we want to do things that people haven't done before, and we want to do things that actually most people would say, no, that's a crazy idea. You know, people say no to lots of ideas, and when we hear no a lot, it's like, well, maybe that is an area that we can pioneer in. Um, simplicity is one that we kept coming back to where I think the tax of complexity is really high, and we've worked really hard and continue to work hard. We make decisions to try to make simple decisions. Um, and then act fast, learn faster is – just like to encourage us to, to move quickly and, and to think long-term. And if we make a mistake now, that's okay because we're in this for the next couple of decades, not for the next year. Um, and the last one is probably the most important, which is fun work. Um, so you, you mentioned this earlier, but we really believe the work should be fun and people should enjoy what they're doing, which means um, they understand how their work aligns in the company goals. They um, feel like they can figure out how to do the work themselves, like no one's being micromanaged. And that actually sometimes – you have to do more work to make something fun. But if you are doing more work to make it fun, um, and th- that means that you can do it for longer, that's something we want to do. And so an example of that is, like, we have a beta program at Wistia where uh, new, like, cust- we send brand-new things to customers before they're, they're out there to everybody else. Um, and sometimes we'll turn features on and off this beta group. We could have just had a beta group and had an email list, and, like, that would be it. But the team wanted to do something more, and they wanted to give that group an identity, and they wanted to um, make it a really fun thing to work on. And so they ended up, instead of calling it the beta group, they called it beta pugs, like pug like the dog. And then there's a crazy acronym that explains, like, what this team is, and there's a mission, and there's a logo, and there's, like, a secret site, and, like, all of this stuff. And so the result is the people who are beta pugs love it, and also the people on the team who work with beta pugs love it also. And I think that that's 
like an example of the kind of thing that we've been able to do um, by being concrete. And so the answer, the short answer, I guess, after my long rambling one, is we very actively um, work to manage these values and try to make sure that we're building an environment where we love working here. Um, I want to love working at my job. I'm, I'm not very good at doing things I, I don't love doing. Um, and so for my own sanity, it's, it's pretty important. Now, look, I'm glad you went on about it, right? Because I think, again, I hear this again and again. This is why I call the show Leading Matters, right? Is there's there's issues that impact our leadership and things that we prioritize, and that ultimately affects the strategy and, more importantly, the day-to-day to, to realize that strategy. And many times it comes down to culture and values. As a matter of fact, almost all the time with successful companies. So I'm really, again, encouraged to hear you kind of reinforce that. So listen, Chris, let me ask you one last question where that's concerned, and then we'll kind of wrap up here. But um, if you're managing to your culture and values, You've taken time to make sure you have identified them properly and they're distinctive for who Wistia is and what your personality is. How do you bring that into the recruiting and the talent acquisition? Because a lot of times what I find is is companies mistake personality for values and culture, right? But that we have to know what personality is and, and, and really we should be able to have any personality as long as they're aligned with the culture and the values. Is that something that you guys actively inject into your talent acquisition and your, your personal development of your employees? And if so, kind of how do you do that? Phenomenal question. I think so many people ignore, I think so many people use culture as their excuse to, to make hiring decisions. Like, oh, this person's a good cultural fit and this person isn't. And it's basically you just like like someone more or something, um, and you can't explain it, and then people end up like hiring people like themselves, right? So culture, I think, um, in hiring is extremely important. Um, our expectation is not that the people who come in the door are going to live and breathe our Wistia core values in their previous work. I think um, we that's always great when we see that, but the reality is that like we actually have tried to make values that are that are different from other companies. And um, so we don't have an expectation that someone has worked that way previously. We want someone to be able to work that way when they get here. Um, the thing that we do work for, work towards is we try to look for people. You know, we kind of have like the intrinsic values we want in every um, team member when they, when they join. And we're looking for people who are intrinsically motivated, um, really good at learning things, um, really good communicators. Um, you know, thoughtful and inclusive and a couple other things that we're look, looking for that I think most people look for, too. There's probably just a, the way that we weight some of those values is probably a little bit higher than um, another company would. And um, I think it's critical that, like, when we bring people in the door, they have the same, like, intrinsic values about, like, working. Um, and I think of our core values as a business as decision-making and um, how we make Wistia decisions. And so, that's kind of how we separate them and how we think about them. Um, does that answer the question for you? No, it does. It does. It's. Uh, I like what you said at the beginning there about you know people kind of use a culture as a crutch sometimes rather than to really kind of sort out how that how that makes sense and how it aligns. Um, so listen, I, I, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up right there, Chris, because I think it's a great note to end on because that talent acquisition piece of the puzzle many times is what leaders uh, you know, fall down on because they don't know how to inject it. I think you've given us a great uh, you know, piece of learning just like you do with your videos right there with talent acquisition itself. So listen, we've been speaking with Chris Savage. Chris is the co-founder of Wistia. They are all about
about where business smarts meets video smarts. Go check these guys out, wistia.com. And even if you have no plans to host or, or place your video on a platform other than the traditional destinations, you're going to learn something by being there. And who knows, ultimately, maybe you'll decide to, to use their solution because it's pretty sound. Uh, but I guarantee you, you're going to learn quite a bit uh, about some of the things we've talked about and uh, some of the things we've heard today is learning how to take maybe take those risks internally, curate your content in an intelligent way to identify the content that's going to take hold and make the sales process a little bit more smooth for your sales brethren that are out there. So Chris, thanks so much for taking the time out today. I really appreciate it. And just uh, that's really all I have to say. I'm just really so happy that you shared your thoughts with us. Sure thing. Thanks for having me.